1: Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, let me tell you about today's show. It's a fantastic program that we've got in store for you today. Some ag culture guys, some ag. I was going to stop there, but then I said culture. So agriculture, you like how I tried to Slide one by you folks, but I know you're smarter than that listening to the Multimedia Cafe, so I'm going to call myself out on it, keep myself accountable as I move ahead here. And, you know, as things happen sometimes, that's the way it's meant to be. So anyway, what we're going to do today is we're going to sit down and talk with Marvin Nash and Seth Frenoway with Encore Green Environmental. Now, they discuss their transition from agriculture to into the energy industry. So they're doing both, but you know, primarily the agriculture, but what they're doing in the agriculture is actually seeing a marketplace in the energy industry, rather interesting. So Nash explains, Marvin Nash, former rodeo clown by the way, he explains how understanding the land, soil and water translates very well into the energy industry from agriculture and how they produced water, they reuse water, they reimagine water, they reinvent water. By the way, it has to do with water. Also, the land, but a lot of it has to do with water. As I mentioned, Marvin Nash shares his background as a rodeo clown and explains how that actually is helping him with this current endeavor. Uh, Carbon capturing we talk about, reverse engineering, and the paradigm shift in energy we also talk about in Seth of the way, and myself, we discuss millennials and how they are contributing and uh, aiding and uh, abusing, I guess would be, abusing is a little harsh, I guess, tried to stick with the alliteration. So how about impacting? We'll just say that because it's pros and cons. I tried to get a little bit uh, uh, wordsmithy there and it backfired on me. So I apologize out there. I didn't want to get any negative connotative words in there, but I did. But anyway, we talk about millennials and how they are impacting uh, today's economy and the workplace. So a very interesting interview. Stick around, folks. Uh, You know what? Let's just get right into it. Marvin Nash, Seth Friendaway with Encore Green Environmental. This is
2: Seth Friendaway
3: with Encore Green Environmental. This is Marvin Nash with Encore Green Environmental.
1: Thank you both for joining the program today. Very excited to have you on, talk a little Encore Green Environmental, a little conservation and what you guys are doing for the oil and gas industry. Let's start off by maybe talking about the genesis of the company a little bit.
2: Well, we uh, Encore Green is a privately owned company by my wife, and uh, it, it's really interesting. We, we're actually an agriculture company. We're, we're not an, an E&P or oil and gas. And, and the reason we're an agriculture company is because where most of the what the industry calls produced water exists is on agriculture land. And we felt like if we were going to create a third option for produced water, which the industry calls it, uh, in the ag world, we call it byproduct. But we felt like if we were going to be able to to create a pathway to do something else other than pump it down in the ground or leave it in, in a, a pond or an evaporation pond that it was going to have to exist in the presence of the agriculture landowner and stuff. And uh, having worked for EOG for some time as a uh, cost control person and a uh, logistics guy back when oil was 35 $40 and it was really hard to keep things going, uh, one of our big expenses was getting rid of, produced water. So I was constantly negotiating with oil and gas, I mean, with uh, midstream and disposal companies. And a uh, pretty famous basketball player by the name of Dan Issel said that he owned some interest in some disposal ponds in Wyoming. He said, Marvin, if you'd figure out how to get rid of that water or reuse it, I wouldn't have to charge you as much because I wouldn't have to build new ponds. And uh, don't ever give me a good challenge and walk off. I immediately went to trying to figure out how to repurpose uh, the industry's problem of, of produced water. So that was three years ago, and that's or two years ago, and that's kind of how we got started.
1: And uh, that's what we're still working on. A couple things I wanted to ask you about based on you know, your, your history of the company is, well, one is the water innovation. Just, you know, innovation can be a wheel. A lot of people realize it doesn't have to be a computer, although computers have really helped innovation over the last twenty years. But in some cases, it's just figuring out new ways to plant things or you know move things around. So, talk to me a little bit about innovation, either from a computer or just you know what do they call that feng shui or uh, you know that type of thing. Talk to me about the innovation within your industry and how that's really been able to transition you from ag and into energy.
2: Well, uh, that's a great—that's a great question. I wish I'd get that question more often. Uh, I'll try to answer it in 30 minutes or less. But,
1: hey, I, hey, take your time, man. We love passion on this show. Well, it, it's—and uh, this is where Seth actually came in.
2: Uh, the, the, the birth of what Seth does came into it. So, produced water is the—it's the kid from the wrong side of the tracks. Okay, it, it's the down challenge of just day-to-day life. Produced water is a hazmat with an exemption. And just because of what it is, was a challenge within itself. The, the other part of it was back during the cold bed methane days, they thought they had come up with a way because that water the, the constituencies or you know the TDS is everything are not really off the chart like Some of the 60 80 hundred and twenty thousand parts per million of salt content or whatever and produced water and so what I did was I didn't really reinvent I Just reverse engineered the things that did not work in, in other words, we have an agronomist that has track records of, of millions of gallons of water that were put on the ground in a successful manner. But, but all we see when we have the conversation is the salt grass and the, the ground that got contaminated, I hate to use it, not really contaminated, it had salt water put on it, and it, and it didn't function properly. And that's what the media and that's what the world became aware of. And so, what were the problems with coal bed methane? Number one was, there was so much money floating around, everybody got a brand new center pivot. Everybody was trying to get rid of millions of gallons of water, and the oil and gas companies were doing that, so they put too much water on too few acres. I was raised in South Texas, graduated in 1973 from Edinburgh High School. In 1972, one of my my FFA speech for this in the state public speaking contest was about conservation, and and what are we going to do in the year twenty in the year 2000 when we have depleted our land and we're asking our ranchers to do more and produce more. So this, so this had been something that I had had talked about and thought about forever and ever and ever. So it wasn't a matter of reinventing. But it was a matter of figuring out what didn't work and
1: making it work. Mr. Marvin Nash, Seth Friendaway. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Marvin Nash and Seth Friendaway with Encore Green Environmental. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe.
2: From a summer.
4: The Davis Refinery.
0: Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
3: Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to
0: Jason Speece.
4: No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Jason Speece is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online.
3: You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing.
1: Is your boss watching this? Stop you it. need a raise. <laughs> Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, right now, we're going to continue the conversation with Marvin Nash and Seth way with Encore Green Environmental.
2: So it wasn't a matter of reinventing, but it was a matter of figuring out what didn't work and making it work. And so I, I guess, in a way, I guess that is part of reinventing. So I had to redesign the entire thought process. So now I have this I have this water that's got a bad reputation. So how do we rehabilitate it? So the challenge got to be how do we create traceability? So in the agriculture world, the the mom or the dad or the, the man or the lady buying the steak or buying the produce or buying the, the whatever they're going to eat, they want to know where it came from and how it was raised. So we've created traceability. And, and part of that came about from the, uh, the, the the milk problems that we had in Canada many, many years back. But all of the technology was already there for the traceability. In other words, I can buy a cantaloupe from Walmart this afternoon. I can eat it, and I can get sick, and I can go to the hospital at 3 in the morning, and they'll ask me what I ate, and I'll tell them. And they'll say, well, that cantaloupe could have been contaminated. Where did you buy it from? Well, I bought it from Walmart. Well, which Walmart? Well, I bought it from the Walmart in Cheyenne. The old one or the new one? The one on the interstate or the one down in, on Bell Range, And I can identify all these things. Well, you know what they can do? They can go back to the packing house or to, the, to the, the produce shed. They can go back to the temperature of the refrigerator where the Walmart was kept. They can find out what truck it was hauled in. They can find out what field it came out of. And they can do all of this in probably 48 to 72 hours. And I said, okay, here's my answer i have to do the same thing with the water so that's where seth came into play with creating the software that creates an entire pathway of traceability because we have to satisfy the consumer that we're using safe water so that was that was the scientific data process and and i'll kind of let Seth comment on what all he's done, and then, Jason, we'll get back to... I'm sure we'll get to the cost and the affordability. But, you know, we can take a a calf, a bovine calf that is born, and we can tell the consumer everything that calf consumed up until the time it was turned into the steak that we ate. We can track our chickens. We can track our eggs. We can track... You know, I I can get sick and go to the hospital and they can draw my blood and they can tell what I drank and what I didn't drink. So I just felt like if we're going to, and I shouldn't say if we're going to, because we're already accomplishing this. We've we've already done the pilot. We've already created the software. If we're going to solve this problem, we have to be transparent to the consumer. I I get kind of, tickled and frustrated and aggravated with P companies at the same time. I'll go talk to them and I say, look, we want to take this water. We want to clean it up. We, we want to, uh, regenerate it. We want to put it on the ground and, and we'll release you of the liability. Well, well, we we'll, 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 no, 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 we can't do it because of there's liability. Well, either the water's okay or the water isn't okay. And, and you can't have it both ways. Uh, I come from a rodeo background, you know. I, I was a professional rodeo clown for 30 years, and when we would deal with animal welfare issues, for many years we said, "Oh no, no, no! You can't go back behind the chutes. We, we, you can't look back there." And then we learned that what we had to do was we had to say, "Come on, let me show you. Let me show you the mama to this bucking horse, and let me show you this calf." And 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 we had to have transparency, and so we advocate that we have to do the same thing with the water. We we can no longer hide behind the fact that it's a hazmat with a with an exemption. We can clean this water, and it can not can it not only be put to a good purpose. It has to because one of these days we may run out of aquifer water. But but I'll let Beth. I'll let you ask Beth the questions about the 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 computer side of it. the, The the of it because he can
4: address
1: those better than I can. You bet. Thank you, Marvin Nash. We're going to transition here to Seth. Is it friend away? Friend the way. Okay. I did get it right. The okay.
3: Spelling
1: of, of the old Dutch word. Frentewey. Okay, great. The, the question I, I, you know, I was going to ask uh, Marvin Nash as, as uh, the owner of the company, but you know, this actually might make more sense to you, Seth, which is um, we've had John Gibson from one O'Connor program and Harold Ham from continental resources, James Volker from uh, Whiting, even Lee Tillman from marathon oil. And I'm not saying that the name drop, I mean, I am, but I'm not. The reason I bring it up is because these are leaders in the industry who have all said there's a paradigm shift that's happened in the industry. The horizontal flushing, which used to be called hydraulic fracturing, but we call it horizontal flushing here. Um, it changed the industry and then you go to the hr departments and boy I tell you what big data has changed the way hr departments do things so when i when i take a look at the different silos and pillars within each different industry i'm sorry each different department this is exactly why you got brought in Seth is because marvin saw the the signs that the paradigm shift was happening and here you are bringing in that new technology that is going to change how we view things. And I wrote down reinvent water. And that's essentially what you guys have done.
3: Yeah, I think that we we've just really reinvented the way to, to use water and repurpose it. And and to, to be clear, I don't want to, you know, uh, uh, steal anybody's thunder. I, I've really come in and just tried to help facilitate what, what Marvin's vision was and, and, and is. And really, uh, it comes down to a, pro, a patent pending process that that Marvin has developed called Conservation by Design. And so the, the, the software uh, programs and some of the technology we're utilizing to, to track that, to document it, to collect and analyze all the different data that's going to be coming in with that process is where I kind of come in. But I think one of the big paradigm shifts, uh, at least as far as what we are looking at uh, in land application of water, Marvin mentioned in the past, they have the Goldbed methane gauge um, where we tried to look at what could we have done better. And really the paradigm shift, as I see it a lot, was that the shift was that we went to focus on what the soil needed and not necessarily just, um, you know, some of the opinions or, or uh, of science-based opinions, don't get me wrong, but we, we really thought that we ought to look at the soil and ask the soil what, the, what it needed um, and then we clean the water to, to fit the soil, and then we needed to have a way to be able to track all that. Once we put the water on the ground, what's happening with the soil? How much how much moisture does it have? You know, what is the salinity in it? You know, what are the nitrogen contents? What are you know? We need to be able to monitor that, so that I mean, what good is being able to to track and trace all this stuff? have you know, you don't know where you put it and what the effects were. So we, we have created a, a system to be able to track all that from gra- cradle to grave. So we, we would take, you know, where did the water come from, what what were the constituencies in the water. We test all that stuff. And then we look and we say, okay, well, what parameters do we need to clean this water to? And that's where we go and we ask the soil. We'll get the soil samples, and, and then we clean that water to match the soil, which also includes, different regulatory um, um, uh, parameters and uh, that we've had to work very hard and diligently with uh, regulators to develop uh, Wyoming is is the closest really and, and we've just um, got some pathways um, working forward with with the state of Wyoming um, and so we've made some really good headway there um, but as we've developed and, and worked through this we've been able to, to alleviate a lot of the concerns
1: Mr. Marvin Nash, Seth Friendaway. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Marvin Nash and Seth Friendaway with Encore Green Environmental. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe.
4: the good thinkers and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know
1: welcome back to the multimedia cafe my name is Jason Spies. thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the multimedia cafe a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about well right now we're going to continue the conversation with Marvin Nash and Seth Friendway with Encore Green Environmental
3: we've been able to do- Alleviate a lot of the concerns that uh, environmentalists have, have voiced. We, Martin didn't just reinvent, you know, how to put the water on the ground. What we really needed to do is reframe the conversation. And Martin started that conversation on our, and our communications director, Jeff Holder, um, out of California has been really influential in, in helping us to make sure that we're explaining this in a simple way that everybody can understand and start kind of directing the conversation in ways that make sense to everybody. I mean, what we're, we're dealing with, uh, you know, Marvin mentioned we're an agriculture company, but we're an agriculture company who's trying to have conversations with energy companies, with, with regulators and with, with environmentalists, and everybody speaks a different language. And and all of this can be such a benefit to everybody's wheelhouse of expertise or, or concern. And um, we're trying to help facilitate that that discussion and then, and then actually put, uh, to action, um, what these ideas and, and, the, and, um, and the solutions that we're finding to the concerns that everybody is, has voiced um, throughout all these conversations. So um, that's kind of the long and the short of it. We, our, our, our website that we use for tracking all of it is called Agwater Soil Solutions, agwatersoilsolutions.com. It's still in. Somewhat of a beta phase where we're adding on, uh, and bulking on different aspects of our traceability. Uh, but all of the information that's on there will be public to, to or uh, will be put out there public for anybody who wants to go see it so that that transparency is there. Um, you'll, if you were to look on that website, you'll see that there's, uh, areas on maps that are identified, um, that show these are all, uh, and some of these on here are, are, are sample examples. Um, but you will know, show where the water was applied, where it came from, the batching, everything. Um, one of the things that we've able to kind of help uh, facilitate, too, is designing some of these projects. I mean, we mentioned that the, the name of the patent-pending process is Conservation by Design. And the reason it's named that is because every, every project is unique. And so every project is going to be developed in a little bit different way, always in the same way that it's going to be designed to fit the needs of the soil. Um, And so this, uh, one of the things on this website that we've done is we've taken information that we can get from the states, from the the oil and gas commissions from the state, uh, different states who are collecting um, how much produced water is uh, uh, produced and where. And so we can have the ability to go in, for example, in the state of Wyoming, you, you go in on the site and you select the state of Wyoming and you put in your section, township, and range that you want to know, uh, find out information on. And that section, township, and range comes up. It will tell you how much water is produced out of that section. It will tell you the operators that are operating within that section. And then it will actually convert that the the water increments from barrels produced to gallons, acre feet, and acre inches. Again, facilitating that that shift in in language between. Uh, you know uh, agriculture from the agriculture side the the, the producing side Um, so those are some of the things that we're actually trying to facilitate in in our doing and we're excited to to tell people about it
1: I wanted to ask uh, about the water numbers and then also I wanted to make sure I asked Marvin Nash about the ag energy connection and just kind of some some of the background there that led you into it one of the so one of the, t- I don't know, first four or five stories I did was on how farmers and oil and, and ranch and gas people seem to get along pretty well for the most part, the ones that seem to work together. So I wanted to ask you about that. But um, before, before I get into that relationship, I did want to ask about the water numbers in the Bakken, uh, in the Permian, both the you know, number one and number two basins. Came out in the last three, four years and said they're going to need 20, 50, 70 times more water than what they first anticipated 10, five years ago. Um, are you guys kind of aware of that? You know, the numbers anywhere from 10 times to 70 times, depending on what part of the shale play you're in, and then, you know, just the sheer demand for water. So I, I look at what you guys are doing as your timing is pretty good. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. And I'll, I'll go ahead, Mother. Well, I was just going to say, what's that company, Seth, 3B, B3? B3. 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 And, in fact, that was, he, he mentioned that company that I think you were sitting next to on the panel when we met you over at the Energy Expo. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they they came to New Mexico, and they came up with some numbers. And even if they repurposed every barrel of water that's coming out of the ground to refract with, they're still going to have 90% or 93% of it that has to be disposed of. So what what our computer data allows us to do is to do a three to five to seven to ten year agriculture prediction based on the amount of water coming out of the ground so priority one is the water that comes out needs to be cleaned up reconditioned primarily number one to go back for fracking that way we're not taking fresh water out of the aquifer so let's repurpose Let's figure out how to repurpose 100% of that. Then whatever's left, the rancher can put to beneficial use, making sure that it's clean to the right constituency and parameters, and it can go back to grow grass, uh, row crops, and, and our newest add-on is creating healthy soil to create carbon capture and carbon sequestration. And, and that that part of what our company is doing is just taking off like a spaceship. But but we got to back up because you mentioned some really heavy hitters in the energy industry with ham and just John, all of them. The one thing that we had to come up with was if you're going to go talk to a major E&P, at the end of the day, they're usually publicly traded. They have to... They have a responsibility to their investors and to their shareholders. There's only four numbers that you can talk about when you talk about water. What is the cost of trucking? What is the cost of infrastructure? What is the cost of the disposal down into the well or into the pond? And and what is the cost of buying new water? And if you add those four numbers up, if you cannot clean, repurpose... And get rid of their water within the, the capacity of those four numbers, then you're wasting your time talking to them. And that's that, that's just a, a reality. That's a that's a fact. So if, if trucking's two dollars, and and infrastructure is a million dollars a mile, and disposal into an open pit disposal or into a, a disposal well is thirty to forty cents, and Buying new water is 40 to 70 cents a barrel. If you can't add all those numbers up and be less money than what they're spending, there's no need for them to make a change. So the one thing that we had to figure out how to do was how to make it fit within those that judiciary process. Here was the problem the companies cleaning the water we're saying, oh, yeah, we can do it, but it's $7 a barrel or $5 a barrel or $6 a barrel. We had to figure out who owned most of those companies. And we had to tell some of the major players, y'all just go over there to keep doing refinery work. Quit bugging the oil and gas companies, because until you can clean water for anywhere from $0.17 cents to $2.50 or $3, depending on what the trucking looks like, you're wasting the energy industry's time. Because they, they have no reason to clean water just to clean water. They don't need to practice, you know. They, mm-hmm. they need to repurpose that water to meet the need that you're talking about, that 10 to 70 times. But at the end of the day, they have to be able to do that within a, a fiduciary component that fits their business model.
1: Mr. Marvin Nash, Seth Friendaway. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Marvin Nash and Seth Friendaway with Encore Green Environmental. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe. Even
0: when the flood starts even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water, either
1: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're gonna run into or what we're gonna talk about. Well, right now we're gonna continue the conversation with Marvin Nash and Seth Friendaway with Encore Green Environmental.
2: Within a fiduciary component that fits their business model. Now, we we've been able to, to identify those goals. And we are working with some technologies that actually help us reach those goals. But before you start any of the conversation, before you can do conservation by design, you have to take into the reality of what the companies, the EMPs are spending at this point in time. Now, one of the things that we have added on, thanks to some of our software and some assessed developments and stuff, is we can now take and get a benchmark on putting that water on arid ground. There's no ground available that produces more carbon capture than arid ground because the grass is closer to the ground. It has less root uh, depth than anything else. And when you start increasing that, it has more potential. It has more potential to grow grass better than evergreen trees or corn crops or whatever. And you can put it in a set-aside years at a time you can actually create a carbon capture so one of the interesting things for us is the company that gets demonized the most for creating air quality issues and for just being in the fossil fuel business actually is a solution to our 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 air quality problem and and we're just now have figured out how to make that a reality but the data and stuff and it's through what Jeff Holder identified as our Just Add Water Initiative. So you partner with your farmer or your rancher, you put together a a catastrophic management plan. You're in the agriculture. There's a lot of moving parts here, and it can get really confusing. But if you're in the agriculture business and you got 200 head of cows, and you're raising 300 bales of hay to get them through the winter, and you either hit a drought or get a really long winter what breaks the farmer or rancher is not having to get rid of the cows. It's when I got to replace those cows because I didn't have enough feed to get them through the winter or through the tough times. But if I take the water that's available because of where the oil and gas wells are, now I can solve that problem. But along the way I can actually quantify based on white papers that have been done, research that's been done by Duke and Colorado state and, in and, uh, in Edmonton and just a, a several different universities, I can actually take that water and create carbon capture by creating a healthy soil and a healthy plant. Have we got you confused enough yet? Hear me you? Are you. No.
1: <laughs> no, no, not not yet. Uh, I, I did want to circle back to the carbon sequester, the carbon capture, so I'm glad you, you brought that up again because... That is one of the fastest-growing areas in the energy world. I, I'm not. I, I'm not sure about the other world. I mean, it's its own industry. I get it. But in North Dakota, they've they've pretty much gone with academia to go up at the University of North Dakota. They have an Energy and Environmental Research Center up there, and they're doing a lot with the uh, CO2 capture. Working with Senator Hovind, Senator Kramer, Congressman Armstrong. So there's a lot of of that happening in North Dakota. Talk to me about the private sector on what's going on there. I mean, uh, you, you say it's, it's, it's really growing on your side of things too, huh?
2: Well, yeah, and and, and the Department of Energy, which funded the project in North Dakota, uh, we actually got a little email we're pretty proud of that. that they said, whatever we can do from the Department of Energy to help you, we're here to help and support what you're doing. Uh, The the, the private sector side is you have all of this grassland, millions and millions and millions of acres. And we're not a cap and trade component, but we are a volunteer market component. And to be able to do those things, you have to have an exchange, uh, a registry, and a protocol. And Seth has been putting a lot of time and energy to develop those Probably the only other way to avoid that would be to go to a cryptocurrency-type trade of, of, of uh, carbon credits and, and those kind of things. But the, the reality of it is Mother Earth provides the process and the procedure. Uh, we learned about it in 6th and 7th grade. It was called photosynthesis. <laughs> we all learned about it in physical science. All we have to do is just add water. So you have to have that relationship with the provider of the water or the producer of the water, which is the oil and gas or the energy company. You connect that to the farmer rancher who has the acreage. You pick, you grow your grass and improve your grass quality by improving your soil health, and all of a sudden, bingo, you're creating more carbon capture. You can you can uh, mob graze sections of land or acreages, and now the cows walk on the, the improved grass, and so you're releasing more oxygen. So all of these different entities, agriculture, energy, environmental, science, they, they all were there, Encore Green Environmental through conservation by design, just figure out the way to put them all together.
1: Sure, and you're just layering things in and putting it together. Hey, Seth, how much of this is a simulation process in the beginning stages?
3: Uh, how do you mean simulation?
1: Well, it just seems like there's so so many ways to use simulators these days, you know, because really what what Marvin Nash is talking about is, you know, layering in knowledge from the, the science side, layering in knowledge from environment side, layering in knowledge from energy and ag. And, you know, and he's saying this isn't new here. We're just you know, putting pieces of the puzzle together, and, and we got a new color on the Rubik's cube side, or something like that. I I didn't know if you have a simulation process to see how it looks ahead of time, or if it's just if, if it's pretty cut and dry just off the numbers.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of it. I mean, is science, based and, and kind of cut dry off the numbers. I think what we find is is that when we when Marvin's saying that all the stuff was there, all the technology, all the know how was there. I think what we're finding is is just like in anywhere else, you know, Jason, people get kind of blinders in their own lane, and they don't think outside of it. And so when when you're kind of getting into the mode of reverse engineering things, you're you're looking at it just from a little bit different perspective, and that allows you to kind of see all the puzzle pieces on the table and how can they actually work together rather than being a puzzle piece and how do I step out of that box. And so I think that's really what's gone on here. And and if I understand your question, but maybe a little more direct to your question as far as, maybe simulating carbon, carbon sequestration or, or, or predicting the carbon capture potential. Um, along those lines, if that's what you're meaning, if it's not, this is still important to cover. No, it, are, it, it, um, it is,
1: it is, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, but the in, in, was Colorado State University has developed a, a program called Comet Farm. Uh, I first learned about this from, uh, from a fellow at the Grasslands Research Center named Justin Turner, here uh, just outside of Cheyenne. He works with um, ARS and NRCS. Yeah, we've been working a lot, lot with those folks, making sure we get this right again. And, and, so anyway,
1: they- and that was Marvin Nash and Seth Frendaway with Encore Green Environmental. If you'd like to check out the full-length interview or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit CrudeLife.com. That's CrudeLife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, All those social media links can be found at thecrudelife.com. There's 350,000 energy enthusiast followers here at thecrudelife.com, and the Multimedia Cafe is part of that network. All right, that's going to do it for today's program. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. I'd like to thank Marvin Nash and Seth Way for joining us here on today's program of the Multimedia Cafe. And if you're downloading us on the internet or maybe you're listening to us streaming and maybe you're, down, you know, one of those podcast iTunes things where you can get us later on, well, that's cool, too. We appreciate it very much. Any way you're getting the content, we appreciate you taking the time out to listen to us right here. All right. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spice asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice.